Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. A happy Kentucky Derby to all of those that are ready to wager on the ponies. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. As I said, this is a Kentucky Derby edition of Bull. You listen on the last day of April, uh, but of course, uh, we record on a Thursday. Like I said, putting it out on a Friday, but as per usual now, the Derby back in its normal first Saturday in May uh, slot, which happens to be the first day of the month this time around. And who better to bring on than to talk some ponies than uh, Dennis Ragasta? You know him as a Big Ragu on Gambling Twitter at B-I-G-R-A-G-O-O-6-2. Again, that's at Big Ragu 62 on Gambling Twitter. Ragu, it's good to have you aboard again. I know it's been a, mi- been a few minutes, just to say the least, since we last talked. How you been, my man? I'm doing good, my man. Always a pleasure to, to get on with you and uh, look forward to this. I've been looking forward to this, actually. I know we got back together in September for the uh, for that unprecedented derby that they had uh, a few months back. But anyways, like you said, we're back on track. It's the first Saturday of May, and I'm excited to be capping horses with you today. Yeah, and we're certainly looking forward to running through this 20-horse field at Churchill Downs. Uh, but before we do that, I just kind of want to – Pick your brain a little bit. Tell us about your background with handicapping horse races 
when you kind of first got into it uh, and how the handicapping the sport has changed over the last couple decades um, and, and how you go about breaking down a field? Yeah, well, that's a great question, actually. My first experience when I was probably about I'm, – I'm 59, okay, so it tells you I'm showing my age there to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been doing it for a little bit, a little bit. I would say I, I consider myself on a on a high end semi professional level, uh, but for the most part, you know, you know, I try to the way that the, the sport goes down is basically you pick a horse and you try to pick the winner of the race. That starts with that, so that's your win bet. And then what I like to do is kind of get involved with some of the exotics, which the exotics are like a two number. You could, you know, it's a two number play. It's called an exacta, where you try to pick the horse that comes in first and second. Either way. And then you have trifectas, which is first, second, and third. Then you get into some really super exotic bets, which are called a superfecta, which is you try to pick the horse that comes first, second, third, and fourth. But there's mul- multiple wagering strategies for those, and they can get kind of complicated. But just to simplify the matter, we're going to stick with a win bet. We're going to probably stick with an exacta bet and a trifecta bet for today. We're going to so we're going to pick a winner. We're going to pick uh, maybe an exacta, and then look at. Uh, Look at picking a, a, a trifecta. But anyways, the way the, the racing has changed uh, gambling over the years are the exotics. You know, they used to be pretty expensive to get into some of these bigger bets, but now you can bet them. You had to bet like a dollar minimum, which if you take four numbers or three numbers, it can cost anywhere from $6 for three numbers all the way up to, you know, hundreds and even thousands of dollars if you bet the four-number combinations. But now they've, they have these 10-cent bets. Which you can play a bunch of numbers on the, I would say on the cheap, but you could get more bang for your buck and get you involved in the bet. The pools get a lot bigger. So if, if some of those long shots get into the money, you can get a pretty nice payout for a little bit of money. Yeah, and, and I think that that is obviously something that we're always trying to uh, crack, and it, it can be harder than usual. But uh, finding yeah. those those live long shots that can you know really make that exotic ticket worth your while but uh you're more familiar with this than i am but it does sound like from what you just went through every year uh for those that kind of just stick to the triple crown we do hear uh, about the same types of bets and it's the win it's the exacta and the trifecta i imagine uh plenty of uh otb sites across the country and and of course there in churchill that that'll be what most of their action comes on right yeah, pretty much so. And, and the thing, especially the Derby, because everybody has an opinion. Everybody becomes a horse racing fan on Derby Day. So sure. whether they like the name, the color of the horse, you know, everybody's going to get involved. They're, this is a day where the pools are humongous. So you have to take a swing at the exotics because there's just so much money in the pools that are laying out there on Derby Day. But for the most part, yeah, that, that's that's the method. And, and why don't you take us through that, too? Because I think that uh, for people that are just getting involved, you know, that might uh, be a little bit of a curveball for some people. You mentioned the pools and how the money is, gets broken down and, and how the odds are always moving, right? You're not in these uh, – I mean, I suppose there are a few fixed-odd pools, but more often than not, when you put some bets down on a horse race, uh, you're not going to know exactly what price you're getting on that horse because things are always moving depending on where, where the money's coming in. Yeah, obviously. So you you have a 20-horse field. The Derby is always 20 horses. And, you know, the odds makers that make the numbers or the lines on the horses, like, for instance, um, the favorite is Essential Quality. He's a two-to-one favorite. 
Now, will he be a two to one by the time the, uh, the the gates open? That remains to be seen. Uh, but you will see some some of these longer shot, you know, prices forces move up and down, and uh, and how those are determined is how people come in and wager on those horses. So, like a great example, and I'm hearing these rumors on the favorite that there's this guy in Houston. His name is Mattress Mattress Mac. I guess he's a big sports wager. Yeah, he, he wants is. to he wants to bet like two to four million dollars on the favorite. So. What is that going to do to the price of that horse at two to one? I'm sure it's going to move it possibly down if that much your money is going to come in from one better. <laughs> and that's going to kind of lo- uh, load the, the wind pool up on the favorite. You know, that's a that's a pretty sizable bet for anybody to make on a horse, let alone a, a sports bet, let alone a horse. So with the parimutuel style uh, of wagering, is which is horse racing, it's pool shared money. And that's going to shift the odds up on the other horses when – that money comes in heavy on the favorite. Yeah, exactly. And I, I do wonder at all because you would have a better way of speaking to this than I, I do. How much, if at all, will you kind of factor that in when it comes to the favorite or maybe a trendy double-digit price horse where yeah. you look at it and say, well, you know, I, this horse might be 12-1 to 1 on the morning line, but I don't think he's going to go off at that. I think that yeah. there's going to be a lot of people that kind of like this horse, and so I'm going to kind of yeah. look to dig when everybody else zags. How much do you kind of think about where the money might be going? Well, with 20 in a normal horse race, I would look at, let's say, a, a, a derby prep race or a race up to the derby. Um, I would kind of – and any time I'm looking at races on the weekend, I'm always looking at that angle more or less, you know, like who's who, – who, is this, is this uh, favorite? Is he really – worth the price or is he an overlay which means like is is he uh worth more than or he he i think he's worth more than i'm getting a good price on a horse so in other words if the horse is going off at two to one i think he should be let's say five to one that's an overlay i think that's a, a strong move to the good value per se in that horse then you have the horses where it's the other way around where it's like hey this horse is going off at one to two you know he should be going off at four to one so i'm definitely going to stay away from that horse and then I'm going to look for value in other horses. So as you're watching the – I like to watch the board, meaning that, you know, all the prices that are changing on these horses. And I already have some – first you've got to handicap the race, and then you got to look at the value aspect of it, whether, you know, you think that this horse has a legitimate shot to get to the finish line first. And if he does and he's going off at a good price, that's where the value play comes in. Yeah, and let's let's mention that too. When it comes to the exotics – uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, certain horses after you handicap, and the first thing you said, obviously, is can this horse get to the finish line first? How often on the exotics are you putting some horses in that you legitimately do not think could win the race and are just kind of that value we talked about at the beginning, that kind of 30-to-1 type, 20-to-1, whatever type horse that all of a sudden – gives you a nice little payout on the exacta or the trifecta. Um, do you look at that at all, or, or is every horse you use in an exotic also a horse you think that could win the race? In uh, a 20-horse field, unrealistically, because right. especially about the derby, because when you start breaking the derby down like this year, I think the derby's wide open. You know, there's no question about that. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of metal horses that I think that can hang around close to the pace, and, and – um, and there's a lot of horses that, you know, not a lot, but there's a few horses I think that can make a run at it but might not get to the finish line first. Those are the horses I'm going to use 
you know, underneath. They like in my exotics, like exactors and supers. But for the most part, um, I'm looking to maybe narrow the field down to maybe like say three horses, you know, three to three to four horses that I think can get to the finish line first, and I'll probably key on three of them, and then I'll probably put like maybe four or five behind those for for second. And then maybe another four or five behind those that I think that can get third or fourth. So sure. I'm 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 handicapping horses that I think that, that can hang around and maybe fall off. Then I'm hang, handicapping horses that are gonna be in the back that are gonna come up. And then I'm thinking that I'm gonna hang on a couple of horses that are gonna be right around the leader are gonna finish out strong. Let's look at just some of the key things that you try and dive into when it comes to handicapping the race, then we'll get to the field. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's all sorts of speed figures out there uh, that we can look at. Obviously, uh, the the fields and, and the, the graded stakes races and, and how those break down and, and how you get a feel for the competition that other horses have ran against and, mm-hmm. and just how many starts they have all together because, obviously, we're talking about three-year-olds here who, you know, some – maybe a little more seasoned than others. So when it comes to actually handicapping the race, what are the first things you look at to try and figure out who you like? A key factor for me, it used to be this way, and and, uh, and kind of it was a baseline for for, for a lot of years, was, um, you know, winning, winning these key prep races. So b- back in the day, up until maybe about 10 years ago, they started how you got to the derbies, you had to qualify to get in. By the amount of money that was won, so the, the the top twenty horses that won the most money, purse money, got the entry to the Derby. Well, they kind of changed that over the years, and uh, and the reason they did that was because they were having a lot of these horses that weren't running what we call route races, which is a a race that's over a mile, and they were getting into the Derby, and they were getting these huge price horses that been favored with rarely win the Derby, so they. That was uh, because they were running these six and seven furlong races, where we know the Derby's a mile and a quarter. So basically, what they did is they eliminated all those sprint race horses and kept it to milers and up. And um, now they're running these uh, races that they're putting points on. And and when they assign their points to the race, the top twenty point earners get to the Derby. So now I'm, I'm really focused on, you know, these key prep races. And that's a big plus for me when I'm looking at horses that are coming out of um, coming out of these prep races and they've won their last prep race. That's probably one of the biggest factors that I look at. And they run in at the distance of a mile and an eighth. Right. Yeah. Because of course, uh, for those that don't know the Derby, a mile and a quarter. So um, if you can kind of, uh, like you said, most of these preps mile and an eighth you see. So um, it, it comes pretty close towards yeah. mirroring uh, the field, uh, and as you said, a 20-horse field for the run for the Rosa. So let's get into it. We're going to break down each post. Uh, obviously, some more to say on some horses than others, uh, but let's start with an interesting one, and that's the horse that drew the first post. Posts were done uh, back on Tuesday this week, and we have uh, the number one known agenda, 6-1 to one on the morning line, Todd Pletcher, always a trainer that seems to factor into the Derby uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I do think it's worth noting that the rail has not won the Derby since 1986, uh, but this horse has had some good showings. 
Um, however, also has finished behind some of the longer priced horses in this field in other races. So how do you get to the bottom of the number one? And, and do you think he's got a shot to maybe hit the board? It used to be uh, up until last year, they put this new gate together. You, for those that have been watching the Derby for a while, if you drew the one post, that was like the kiss of death. You know, like you said, nobody has won it since like the mid 80s. But uh, with that new gate, I kind of moved them over two spots. So I think they're not going to be buried along the rail and have to shoot out on that angle. Now they can kind of come out more of an evenly type uh, release from the gate. But that would be a penalizing uh, scenario for this horse. And I was kind of disappointed because this was one of my horses that I really, really, really was going to try to key on, known agenda. He checked all the boxes for me in this spot. You know, you got like you said, you brought a putcher. He's at a curlin. He's got probably the top jock in the nation on him, Ired Ortiz. And he did win that key uh, race down in uh, Florida, the Florida Derby at a mile and an eighth with a hundred uh, Briz number. So I was really amped up on this horse. I'm a little deterred. I, I'm was still the jury's still out on that new gate, you know, in the one spot here. But just for that reason, like you said. I'm not going to put pause on him, but he's going to be one of my top contenders. So I do like this horse. He checks all the boxes for me. So, again, there you go. Uh, maybe a horse to look at in some exotics uh, as uh, we uh, look at the number one known agenda, six to one on the morning line. Uh, and, and, again, certainly someone that could factor in to the trifecta or the superfecta. Let's go to horses two through four. We're going to kind of lump them all in together because we have the yep. same morning line price on all three, like the King, 50 to one, Brooklyn Strong at 50 to one, and keep me in mind, 50 to one. Ragu, if I was going to consider any of these three, I was kind of looking at keep me in mind, who does have a grade two win, was third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I don't know that there's a lot that suggests that he can win this race, uh, but I, 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 and I probably won't use any of these three. Uh, but if you're asking me to pick one that I would, you know, gun to my head, it would probably be the four. I'm curious, uh, are all three of these, though, probably throw it, throwaways for you? Well, you know, funny you mention that because I would say probably the, uh, the like the King and, and the three Brooklyn Strong would co- probably be throwaways. But you know, uh, hey, go- I should include the five also at 50 to one on the morning line. Same oh, hood. Another same hood? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Here's my theory there. Uh, I would have to totally agree with you on the two and the three, um, even though I would say maybe if it rains, you might look at the three because he has some mud experience and he, he did win the end of slop. That's a good point. You mentioned that the weather as of now calling for sunny skies, a high of 73, a low of 53. So it should yeah. be a gorgeous Saturday afternoon at Churchill. Yeah, and and the two, the two uh, like the King, Wesley Ward is a nice trainer on sprint races and especially on the grass. And the two's coming off of uh, hasn't touched dirt yet, so he's running artificial surface and and uh, and turf. So he's a throwout for me. A muddy track, maybe the three, but the, the four, like you bring up, this horse has run. He, he ran his maiden in a, in a special uh, on the off the track turf, right off from off the turf onto a um, not necessarily a muddy surface, but it was uh, it was an off track, and he finished second and his maiden. And he, every race he's ran has been a grade one or a grade two. He's hit the board a couple times as a two-year-old, but as a three-year-old, 
when uh, he had a little bit of a layoff coming from November, then ran in March and April, and he finished sixth and fifth. So he might improve a little bit. He's a dead closer. So, yeah, he's one of those horses we talked about earlier that, you know, can come from the back and probably not win the race, but maybe get like a third or fourth position at 50 to one, and they're going to make those exotic pays. And then the five, I'm going to play the play. I'm going to play. I'm just going to put it out there for everybody right now is I'm playing all the Pletcher horses in my exotics. Okay. <laughs> He's got four of them, but that's that's right. his long one. The nice thing about – the thing I like about this uh, – the St. Hood horse, he's got Corey Lanary on him, and he, you know, he's he's he likes to. Uh, I mean, he's well known up in uh, up at Churchill. He's a great rider up there, and Todd's got a good, good you know, it's, it's not Todd's best horse, but I think you know he's he ran it he ran at Fairgrounds, he ran at Gulfstream. He's got two maidens. He broke his maiden at Fairgrounds two races ago. He's lightly raced. He's only ran three races, and his last race was on the artificial surface. But when he was on dirt. He did hit the board uh, both times. He won by he won a nose, and then he came a second by a head. But those are maiden races, so that's uh, that's a big big jump here, big jump in class for this horse. Let's go to number six, Obesos, and uh, he is coming in at twenty to one on the morning line. Greg Foley, the trainer uh, for this pony. I think the questions here are going to be if the speed, particularly the closing speed, is going to be able to factor this horse in I, I probably won't be using six what do you think here well, the thing I'm hearing about the six now is on the, a lot of talk on the back stretch of this horse here that he's been working really really solid up at uh, up at Churchill right now and that's a bit that's another thing that uh, one of the things I didn't touch on earlier that I like to talk about is or factor in my capping especially for the derbies how are these horses reacting when they hit that Churchill surface and this sure. is one of these this is one of those horses here, the Obezos, that's really, really uh, working out nicely up there. There's some good talk about it. So he was he's one that I'm looking at using underneath. Um, and and the key prep, the two key prep races that I'm really focused on is the Fairgrounds race and the uh, Arkansas Derby. And he did finish up in the money in the Fairgrounds, the Louisiana Derby. He came third behind Hot Rod Charlie and Midnight Bourbon. So I, I kind of like that too. So he, he can – he might be moving forward a little bit here, possibly, even though he didn't get that break. You know, usually that third race and that racing cycle, after you help come off of a little bit of a break, he didn't have the break yet, but he seems to be doing pretty good up at Churchill. So he's one I might consider for using underneath. I think one that I'm interested in for using underneath a little more would be the seven, Mandaloon, Brad Cox, the trainer, Florent Giroux, the jockey here. Uh, also have Medina Spirit, uh, who I imagine – will take a lot of money at 15 to 1 on the morning line just because it's a Baffert horse. John Velasquez is on the 8. Both of these horses coming in at 15 to 1 on the morning line. Uh, Mandaloon, I said, I'm kind of a little more interested in him. Third or better in all but one of his starts. Uh, and Medina Spirit, two wins and three second place finishes uh, in five starts. However, only one G1 and only one graded two stakes for Medina Spirit. So how do you see these two? Yeah, well, if you know, if one of the trainers, if you know of a trainer that's going to have a horse ready and he's only got the one this go around, but there's no question about it that Baffert is going to have that horse ready to run regardless of um, of what, you know, what type of races he's ran in. Now, uh, granted, all four of those races have been in California. And the thing um, that kind of gets me about the California races 
is I mean the last race he ran was nine nine race nine horses in the race. Sometimes those fields can be a little light out there, but this horse has ran up like nine nine horses, seven horses, six horses. So I've seen some of those stake races out in California where there's only been like four or five horses in the race. So he has ran against some competition. But like you said, the Baffert theory, you know, he's going to take money because of the fact that you know, he's got a, he's got a two time champ, John Velasquez up. Bob Baffert, seven seven Derby wins. Just that factor alone, you know, you got to play the horse. And then Mandaloon, that's a nice horse. You know, he, he had a little hiccup in the in the um, the Louisiana Derby, which is one of my key races. Other than that, you know, he's been solid all the way through. You know, this horse has been the Churchill slash uh, Louisiana horse. Yeah, I, I, I should have mentioned that Louisiana Derby. That was one where it sounded like he got off to a little bit of a nice start and just let it get away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you draw a line through that and you're willing to excuse that, I mean, this horse is and, – and and he's working really, really well at the track too. That's the other thing I'm hearing. He's doing really nice works up at uh, Churchill. So if you, if you can excuse that hiccup, I can see you getting to the window with the seven mandolin. Let's go to the nine hot rod, Charlie. And I think this is a cool one. Uh, Doug O'Neill, obviously the trainer. We know that he trained Nyquist to a Kentucky Derby victory uh, in the past. Uh, but I think the really cool thing here is just the, the story with this horse. If you haven't heard, um, the, they will be honoring the late Jake Panis, who is the son of Stephen Panis. Stephen Panis is the president of TG, TJC Media, which produces America's Best Racing, the, the website and, and all the content that they put out there for the ponies. And Stephen Panis uh, lost his son, Jake, uh, who was a passenger in a DUI accident. Uh, Jake passed away at 16 last year, and uh, the, the this horse, uh, credit to the ownership and uh, the trainer, they are going to put a blanket on the horse that features, like obviously they all have the numbers and the name, but they're going to have the South Carolina logo because uh, Stephen uh, is a graduate of the University of South Carolina, and Jake yeah. always wanted to follow in his father's footsteps, and uh, they're going to have... Uh, a logo on the horse as well for the uh, University of South Carolina. And uh, the logo apparently is to spread awareness for the Jake Panis Walk-On Football Endowed Scholarship, which is to help walk-ons financially at the University of South Carolina with their football program. So I just think a cool story there. Um, And uh, obviously Jake had dreams of going there and following in his father's footsteps and you know, so so some emotional tie there that that would be pretty neat. And and hey, the horse is at eight at eight to one on the morning line. It sounds like if you're looking for a horse that might be able to throw a wrench in essential qualities plans, who is the favorite? Maybe this is your horse too. So just some neat stuff there with the number nine. Yeah, that's 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 a, a sad story, but it's going to be a, probably a pretty emotional day for the, for that group. But. And if they win, especially, but and this horse, I tell you, this is a horse that I have high on my radar. Also, is Pratt. You know, Pratt's first journey to the first journey to the Derby was on Battle Midway at a real high price. And uh, first time out, he was this French jockey that no, really nobody knew about. He took California by storm, and it's been uh, history ever since with him. So he's a solid, solid jock. I really like him. And Doug O'Neill is a two-time a two-time Derby champion himself. Like you said, Nyquist, and I'll have another. And this horse, I think he could be like just off the lead or just, you know, stalking position, or he can run out and take the lead on his own. You know, that's, this horse is very talented. What's interesting 
his O'Neill had him. And then when he ran in the um when he when he ran in the Derby, he was uh, previously trained by uh, Mora Leonardo Leonardo and got the horse back. So that was kind of a weird twist here. But anyways, he's still under Doug O'Neill's um training and I like this horse. I think he's gonna be mid mid not mid pack, but he's might be in stalking position. Maybe not on the lead, but if he has to push him up, I don't think he's going to push him out on the lead. We'll talk about that later, but I like this horse a lot. Let's go to the 10, Midnight Bourbon. I'm not super interested here. Uh, he is at 20-1 to 1 and, and some recognizable names here as well with the trainer, Steve Asmussen, and, of course, the jockey, Mike Smith. What do you know about the 10? Remember, I told you I'm going to use this Louisiana – the, the Louisiana Derby is a key race of mine, and this horse finished second in that race. Sure. And and I think uh, he's one of these horses that's going to be hanging around, so to speak. So when I mean by hang around, he's not going to be on a lead, but he's going to be just off the lead, and he's he's probably be you know a couple three, four, or five lengths back off the leaders. And now here's what I, I would question: There is actually kind of hanging around. Well, I go back to the, the, the mile and a quarter length here, and is that type of horse going to be able to hang around enough to kind of be able to hit the border in the last, you know, couple of furlongs? Are we going to see yeah. this horse drift out and, and not be much of a factor? Yeah, well, I think this horse can run a nice steady style. I don't think he's got super tactical speed, but I think he's got the, the right type of set up to run in a race like this. He can run all day. He's out of Tisnow at a Malibu moon on the damn side, which, I mean, he's got speed. He's got speed. He can run the speed, but I think he doesn't have to use all of his speed. He's got enough endurance to kind of maintain a speed level that'll keep him in the race all the way around the track. Let's go to the 11. Another Todd Pletcher horse. Dynamic one is at 20 to one on the morning line. Jose Ortiz, the jockey here. Maybe a live long shot here, as this horse just finished second in the Wood Memorial. That is always one of the big derby preps as well. What do you think about Dynamic One? That's another Pletcher horse, so he's going to be in the mix for me. Um, he's working really solid at Churchill. He ran, it took him four races to break his maiden, then he finally jumped up to the Wood. You know, he's all like special maiden weight races. Finally cracked one back in March, got into the Wood. In April and hit second, you know, he got clipped. That, that Todd was really high on this horse. He really had him pegged to win the wood, and I guess it was his method to bring him in that way. And I guess uh, he got beat by his other horse at 72 to 1, Burbonic, uh, which was uh, a, a crazy race. If you went back and watched that race, the horse went off at 72 to 1. But he was 15 to 1 in that race and finished second by a head. But yeah, I think uh, he's a live long shot, definitely. Definitely somebody that I'll give a look to in my exotics come Derby Day. Let's go to 12 and 13, Helium and Hidden Stash. Uh, both of these are 50 to 1 long shots. I don't have a ton here. Probably won't be using either one. What do you have here? Yeah, the thing, I don't like this. Oh, I'm not going to say I don't like the horse. the horse. The horse has won three races in a row, two at Woodbine, and he won the uh, Tampa Bay Derby uh, one and three-quarter lengths, which uh, he went off at a pretty good price there. But um, that was a horse. That was a race that um, that uh, everything was good. The setup was good for him there. And Cassie, the trainer, he's well familiar with you know running down 
and Tampa Woodbine. That's 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 his. Uh, those are his two tracks. And uh, coming off of that layoff and and coming off of that big price, you know, that he won at, I just think he's a little. Un- I think he's. I'm not gonna say he's overvalued at 51, but I think he's gonna be definitely outclassed in this spot. Let's keep know, moving. I, yep. Go ahead. No, no, I say that, that's it. Just he's a little bit outclassed. Let's keep moving, and obviously now the morning line favorite is Essential Quality. Uh, Brad Cox, the trainer, Luis Saez is the jockey here, um, and undefeated horse. I suppose if there is one blemish here, he has never run the mile and a quarter, but he did win the grade two Toyota Bluegrass Stakes uh, at a mile and an eighth, which you mentioned when it comes to the preps. uh, That is obviously the distance that you're looking for. Sounds like uh, there aren't many uh, kind of black marks here on the resume for essential quality. Certainly a horse you have to use. Um, and, and I'll, you know, maybe we'll, we'll get to it at the end if you think he wins the race. But uh, we have seen favorites the last decade or so really be pretty successful at the Derby, haven't we, Ragu? Yeah, and that, and that was part of what I was telling you earlier when they went to this mile. You know, when they went to the to the route format on, on the um, on getting these horses qualified, everything kind of put things in line to kind of stay the true, you know, where the favorites are going to be in the race. You're not going to see a favorite like running out of the money a lot of the times. Usually the favorite's going to figure somewhere in there. So if you're going to use the essential quality, if you don't put them on top, you'd be a fool to throw them out of the money because you might be ripping up a ticket if you do. How do you think this horse compares with, you know, some of the other derby favorites we've seen in the past? Um, I mean, the horse has done no wrong. Basically, and uh, the nice thing about it is there's some new connections here. You know, Go Dolphin has never won a Derby. They've always put quality on the on the track. And and Brad Cox, he re, kind of reminds me of of a younger um, Chad Brown. You know, so he's kind of paying his dues along the way. So and he's he he's he's probably the, the hottest trainer in the game right now. As far as you talk about a guy that's going to put some uh, good stuff on the track and win at a high high rate. You know. Brad Cox is a heck of a trainer. And here's, here's the only knock on the horse. He's out of Tappet. And we know Tappets, they have never won a derby yet. So there's always a first time for everything. You know, so maybe this is the time he wins. Who knows? But that's 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 the drawback. He's out of Tappet. And Tappets have never won a derby yet. Let's go to 15 where I think we have an interesting challenger to essential quality. And that is Rock Your World coming in at 5-1 to one on the morning line. John Sadler. The trainer, Joel Rosario, the jockey here. And uh, I'm not sure where this prep ranks on your uh, kind of prep races of interest, but uh, Rock Your World did win the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, and I, I definitely think this is a horse that can win the race. If you look at the trends, though, um, I heard this on the uh, Stanford Stephen the Bear podcast. They did, did a nice job running through the race as well. The second choice in the Derby has not won since Super Saver back in 2010. I just think that's kind of interesting given uh, that's over a decade now, um, and, and it sounds like this horse is going to go off as a second choice. Uh, what do you think about 15? I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's very lightly raced. He's only ran three races. It's a real short price. Um, the thing that, I mean, the California, the Derby, the San Diego Derby was a nice race. I mean, he he was out there and he just 
you know, took off on the lead and got loose and nobody's going to run him down. So um, I imagine he's going to employ that same strategy here in Churchill. I mean, they paid $650,000 for him at a candy ride and Empire Maker. So he's well-bred. Um, the, the only thing that kind of throws me for this horse is a little bit that he went off a turf and then he fired that big race in the Santa Anita Derby, two turf races, then the Derby, Santa Anita Derby. So I think he's probably going to need a little more seasoning, even though he's got Joel up on him, which Joel's a hell of a rider. We know he's a top-notch jock. Um, I just, I, to me, everybody's awed by that Santa Anita Derby, and to me, okay. i got to see a little bit more on his stat line. So you're going to steer clear here. I'm going to stay away. Yeah, I'm going to stay off of him. Sure. No, you know, it's definitely, definitely why I bring you aboard, my guy, because I, I probably had about eight or nine horses that I was looking at for the exotics, and I was trying to narrow that down, and 15 was one of them. So I appreciate that info. Um, and let's keep things moving and go to the number 16, King Fury, uh, who is coming in at 20 to 1 on the morning line. I'll be honest, not that familiar with this trainer jockey combo. Kenny McPeak, the trainer. Brian Hernandez Jr., the jockey. Um, and we have a horse here that does have a couple of wins at Churchill Downs, which I think you've mentioned it a couple times, just the conditions at the track and that familiarity. I'm not sure how he's been running this week at Churchill, but obviously a couple wins at the track. Six starts as well, so certainly a little bit of a seasoned horse. Uh, however, I mentioned a couple wins. There have been some mixed results as well. There's a reason this horse is priced out uh, 20 to 1 on the morning line. Uh, but I do think this could be a horse worth using in some exotics. What do you see here on King Fury? My thoughts exactly as far as the exotics go. But there is a lot of buzz around this horse right now. Um, He's out of curling. He's uh, he's touched the ch- uh, Churchill down surface three times. He's won twice there. He's working out like a fiend, they say. He's looking good on the track. Um, the thing about this horse here is, uh, you know, he come out at grade three Lexington off of a layoff, and he, he, he won uh, by two and three-quarter lengths. You know, it's a great three. It's one of the latter races to get into the Derby. It was it was sloppy track, so maybe he really that was a big thing. He maybe this horse really likes a slop, but they say he's working out good, and it's definitely one that I'm going to be using for exotics. Love to hear that. Let's keep things moving as we wrap things up here on our Kentucky Derby preview as episode of Full Slate. Highly motivated, the number seventeen horse comes in at ten to one on the morning line. Uh, Chad Brown, Javier Castellano, uh, so you like that. Ragu, I think this may be the best chance of a horse to upset essential quality. I'm curious how you see the 17. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Chad. I've always liked J.J. Javier. Um, they, he, ran a, he ran a hell of a race in that uh, bluegrass where he kind of kind of gave it up at the end. He took him out early, which, you know, I was kind of surprised that he did that with him, but it benefited. Maybe, you know, it was part of uh, – it was part of Chad's plan to, to get to the Derby, you know, to, to kind of get to get the points to get him in there, to try to send him and see what he had. So, I, you know, Chad knows what he's doing with his horses. And, uh, yeah, th- this horse here, I think he's a very talented horse. He's hit three Briz figures over 100 in his last three races. And they've, and they've kind of, I think he really likes the Kentucky surfaces. In Keeneland, he, he won and uh, won 25 Nyquist, which he ran after the leader, takes him down. 
and then he ran. He was forwardly placed in Keeneland in that big race. So I think this horse has got talent to go either either way as far as, you know, maybe just sitting off the pace a little bit or maybe being forwardly placed. So I, I like this horse's chances a lot. If anybody's going to turn the tables on essential quality, I think this horse has got the best shot. And I like what you just said there about how it feels like you think this horse could – win in a variety of different ways because it feels like with some of the horses, you know, they either got to get to the lead early and and, 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 and set the pace or you kind of know that there are going to be certain horses that are going to lag back and, and try and come on in that final four or five furlongs, whatever it may be. It sounds like you think this horse could just kind of adapt as the race goes on and find a way. Yeah, I, I think he can. I think he's hell enough to do that. The only, the only, the only knock on the horse – the only knock I have on him, I mean, he's, he's ran, he's ran five times and he, and he's only, you know, he's got two wins in two places in the show, but I like to check that box. Like I was telling you earlier, you know, the horse coming out of that race, you know, to win that last prep race at a mile and a eighth, he came second by the neck. So does it mean he can't win the race? Absolutely not. But that's just something I like to feel a little more confidence in that. But I think he has the best chance to turn the tables on a sense of quality. Let's wrap things up with the 18 through 20, where we have uh, a slew of long shots coming in at 30 to 1 on the morning lines. Super stock, another Steve Asmussen horse with Ricardo Santana Jr. on the horse. Soup and Sandwich at 30 to 1. And Bourbonic, another Pletcher, also at 30 to 1. Um, I don't have a ton on any of these. I know you're interested in the Pletchers, and, and Bourbonic is another pretty long price. But what do you think about the final three horses here in the field? Yeah, I'm, I know that's Asmussen's uh, second horse with with probably his better jockey up on him. But I, I just don't. Uh, I don't. He he ran two nice races at Oakland Park. He won he won the uh, he won the Arkansas Derby. Okay, or by two and a half lengths. So that's what kind of got him into the Derby. And he went off at a twelve to one in that race. And the race before that, he went off at forty to one. So this horse is. He's not a fan favorite, obviously, but I guess, um, you know, with that big win at, at Oakland, it kind of got him in. I'm, I'm, I was contemplating on using him underneath, but it's going to be a pass for me. Super Sandwich now, that's a different story. This horse here is lightly raced. He ran second in the Florida Derby. He, ran, he won an allowance race before that, and then he broke his maiden. So basically, he's very – he's not seasoned, but this horse here – this horse is going to be involved early. They're going to send him out probably with um, Rock, Rock Your World. He's probably going to be one of the two horses that are going to be up on the lead. So, And and I like the way he's bred out of Into Mischief. Into Mischief is probably the hottest breeding horse right now. A, a lot of uh, stake race winners coming out of that horse. And he's got Tappet on the uh, on the dam side. So he's well-bred. He can run all day. And uh, and he's he's from Live Oak Stud, which is like right around the corner from where I live in Ocala. So sure. it's more it's more of a sentimental play for me. But I'm going to use him in Exotics at 31. And he's got Tyler Gaslione, which is probably the top jock down at the. Uh, well, he was last season down at um, Gulfstream, but this year I don't know. I think I read. So is he all the money. Three here in these. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's definitely going to be my favorite of the three. Gotcha. Only, be, only because he's going to be forwardly placed and he's going to be up on the lead. And Bourbonic, he's got to come from the clouds. So when you got to come from the way back versus up front, you know, you might run into some – you got to start picking up pieces to get there. And that that's the thing about these closers lately of late in the Derby. The horse that's been like, I think, the last 
10 years. I want to say somebody that's been like up close on that, that mile on that last, uh, that last turn on the turn for home. If you've been, if you've been on the lead, it's been hard to run, run down the horse that's been on the lead and Burbonics is not going to be on the lead. Soup and sandwich. Hey, he might be on the lead because he's going to be forward to place. There he is, the big ragu on gambling Twitter at B-I-G-R-A-G-O-O-6-2, Big Ragu 62, down there in Florida. Always fun to talk ponies with him. Before we let you go, my man, a couple things. Uh, first, uh, i got to ask you, have you ever been to the, the Derby? I should have asked you that at the beginning. Yeah, no, that's a bucket list thing for me. I'm, I've been to a lot of tracks, but I've never been to, to Louisville, so that's, that's going to happen within the next five years for sure, hopefully next year. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely trying to go as well. I'm a lot long, younger than you are, and I didn't want to go this year. Uh, just I, I figured if I'm going to uh, empty the pockets to go to the Derby, I want the full experience and not a you know a you know a 25 30 percent capacity crowd. So having said that, um, I can't let you go without asking who you think wins the race. And I know we mentioned a lot of horses that you're going to be using in exotic in exotics, but do you have a favorite exacto or a favorite trifecta to give out as well? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be betting my money on the the number seventeen, highly motivated. I think he can turn the tables on a sense of quality here. He's your winner. He, he's he's the horse that I'm gonna be betting on the nose. Yes, sir. Sure. And then and then for an exacto, I'm gonna key, um, I'm gonna key Hot Rod Charlie, and uh, highly motivated with uh, the number one known agenda and the number eight, um, the Bassett horse, Medina. Medina Spirit. Yep. There he is, as I said, at Big Ragu 62 on gambling Twitter. I will definitely, I, I, I mentioned I was interested and highly motivated as well, so I will definitely have him in a win bet as well. I will tweet out my trifectas and exactas come Saturday morning. Big Ragu, good to chat with you again. It's been a little while, and let's enjoy the Derby. Enjoy the rest of your week as well. Best of luck to you, my friend, and we'll see you at the window. Absolutely. There he is, as I said, Dennis Ragasta at Big Ragu 62 on Gambling Twitter. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my picks at Undercover Greg. Thank you to all who tuned in. Give the podcast a follow as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. Enjoy the NFL draft. Enjoy the Derby. Springtime is here. A lot more things happening in the world of sports, which feels good to say, given where we were at this time a year ago. That'll do it for us here on Full Slate. Everyone, as I said, enjoy the rest of your week and your weekends. And, of course, please play responsibly. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our Keep Stock Inventory Management Solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash Keep Stock to learn more. Granger, for the ones who get it done.